Are you a virtual assistant juggling all the things, you know, inquiries, contracts, payments? It can feel a little overwhelming at times trying to keep up with everything, right? Well, meet your new business BFF, insert HoneyBook. Think of HoneyBook as the upgrade your VA business didn't even know that it needed, taking you from beginner to polished and professional in no time. I've been using HoneyBook since day one of my business, and let me tell you, it's been a lifesaver for this busy mom. It's user-friendly, lets you automate workflows, and my favorite part is that it's completely customizable, so it'll look like it's native to your brand. I know what you're thinking. Do I really need a customer management platform? Well, spoiler alert, yes, you do. It's the secret ingredient that's given my VA business a 98% success rate of turning curious inquiries into solid bookings. Now, here's the deal. You can score an amazing 50% off right now if you use the link in the show notes. That's right. You heard that correctly. 50% off your entire subscription for any plan. And trust me when I say your business deserves the HoneyBook Upgrade. Welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. Today, we are chatting all about one of my favorite topics, which is how to hire your very first team member, or maybe your second or third or fourth or fifth, with ease. And at the time of this recording, I have 15 team members that I work alongside of that are absolutely amazing. I think of them. Sometimes I feel like they're like my children, even though half of them are older than me, just because each of them, they're so good. I can't wait for, I think we're going to do an episode where we introduce the team and have everybody do like a quick blurb on their roles and their responsibilities and just like a little bit about them. So you guys can kind of peek behind the curtain of the virtual assistant studio and how we serve our clients and what our day-to-day looks like and how we serve our students and full-time VA. So that might be really fun, something to look forward to. But in the meantime, not saying that I'm a pro, but I do think I've been around the block when it comes to hiring. And in my past life, when I worked in the corporate world, I was actually a district recruiter at one point. And let me just say, running multi-million dollar stores requires a lot of hiring. We were always hiring. And as a business owner, I am also always hiring. And what I mean by that is when you're growing a business, you want to grow a business with a strategic mindset, knowing that if you put the right people in the right places under your umbrella, you are going to thrive. Trust me when I say that. Almost every single hire we've made in our business, now don't get me wrong, I've made a few flubs here and there. I'm not perfect. But every flub was a learning experience. And has led me to be able to record a podcast episode about it like I'm doing today because I can say, okay, this is what worked. This is what hasn't. This is where we're able to find really great candidates. And I'm excited to be able to pass that information along to you because I know that every hire is going to result in you leveling up and rising to the occasion and your business. And it is 
scary and it is exciting and it is equal parts terrifying and also like gives you those happy butterflies but trust me when I say once you do it once you hire your first person you're gonna look back and be like oh my gosh I should have done that like way sooner so I made my official first hire in my business three years ago like almost to the date too and it seems like a lifetime ago because I feel like I am like the hundredth new version of myself since then so much life has happened and if you've been a long time listener of the podcast you probably have been here for a lot of that life but I have to say I got really lucky with that first hire because I had no idea what I was doing like literally none I was like flying blind hoping for the best you know, said a little prayer here and there. And thankfully, it worked out because she is amazing and actually still works for the company and is thriving. But what I did then versus what I do now are vastly different. And if I could steer you in the right direction, hopefully this podcast episode will at least do that. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Have you ever felt like society isn't built for moms? Maybe you're a mama with a tiny voice in your head telling you there must be another way to balance it all. You know, working, momming, all the things. Yep, I had it too. And it likely means you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Amanda Resch, a Southern mama with big city sensibilities. I'm the girl that took a daydream and built a profitable virtual assistant business all in the middle of a global pandemic. Now, I work from home alongside some of the biggest bloggers and influencers while running a six-figure agency. Come along as we dive into business, marketing, strategy, and real life as a female entrepreneur. I'm all about simple, easy, actionable steps that get real results. This podcast is for the millennial mom that is ready to kick imposter syndrome and start making money on her own terms. Get ready as we dig in, do the work, and redefine what it means to be a working mom. This is the Millennial Mom Movement. So when thinking about hiring, I love to think about this as an investment in your business. This person is not only going to help you get your time back, but it's also going to allow you to grow your business. And I know it seems scary because hiring somebody means that you have to take the time to train them. You have to find them. There's a lot of work that goes into it up front. You have to pray that they do a good job, which they will if you follow these steps. And then you have to work with them and you have to hope that they represent your company well and that they understand the mission and they carry it out. And there's just so many factors and you're also responsible for them. Like, what if you have a bad month and can't? you know, be able to pay them. These are the thoughts that literally went through my head when I was hiring. So after all that, a lot of times I like to just say, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Yes, it's equal parts exciting and terrifying, but it's going to be okay. So before we dive into how to find this person and what to look for and job descriptions and all of that, I want to like rewind a little bit. And I always start with the housekeeping stuff first. If you're a student of mine and full-time VA, literally the first module is like, here's how to set yourself up for success. Some people that scares the crap out of them. But if you're like me, you appreciate the fact that you're like, okay, 
My decks are in a row. I know I'm covered. I'm set up for success. Now let's take action. So that's what we're going to do today. Let's look at the logistics. First, I want you to look at your cash flow summary. And if you are new to the online business world or just getting started as a virtual assistant or online business owner, whoever it is that you help, this might be like some really big words that are scary. I actually recorded an episode with Catherine, whose program I've taken, Cashflow for Creatives, which is so amazing. And I highly recommend it no matter what stage of business you're in. I've been doing this for three years and I found so much value in her program. Her and I recorded a podcast episode. I can't remember what episode number it is, but I will put link to it in the show notes for you guys, as well as her program. She also has a low ticket membership that is extremely valuable too. And essentially what you're going to look at is how much money is coming in the door every single month. And so I want you to like jot this down on a piece of paper or a Google Doc or whatever it is that you have handy and go month by month. So if you've only been in business a couple months, you're going to have a shorter time frame. But if you've been in business at least a year, I recommend writing down the past 12 months. How much revenue have you brought in each month? What were your expenses? And then the amount after both of those is your profit. And as a business owner, especially a solopreneur, you're typically going to pay yourself with a portion of that profit, which is called an owner's withdrawal. So for the sake of easy numbers, let's say that you brought in $10,000 per month. And after expenses, I don't know, you made $9,000 and then you paid yourself $5,000. And so you had $4,000 left over. That $4,000 is Obviously, you have to tuck some of it away for taxes and you're going to want to have a little bit into savings just in case you have like a dip in the business. So let's say that you have about $2,000 per month that you know, okay, this is flexible spending money. I could use this to invest in new software or a new computer or I could hire a team member. And so now that you know, okay, I can realistically afford to pay someone $2,000 a month You want to break this down into either an hourly rate or a retainer pricing. And this is really just going to depend on your preference and what makes the most sense for you and your business. I also want to note that when looking at your cash flow summary, I want you to go based on your lowest months. So if you held steady at $10,000 every single month, great, that's easy math. But let's say like you did $10,000 and then you did $5,000 and then you did $8,000 and then you did $6,000. I want you to take If it's a high up and down, do an average. If you're pretty consistent, like, okay, a few months I hit 10, but most of the time I hit like seven, then go with seven because that's going to be your baseline number. And the reason I want you to go with that baseline number is if God forbid, and I don't think this will happen, but if for some reason you dip down to that number, you're still covered and you're not going to end up in the negative because that is not what we want. So now... We're just going to pretend like you held steady at $10,000 every month and we know that you can spend $2,000 realistically to hire somebody. Great. Now you know your budget. So you're going to break this down to either hourly or retainer. So either you can pay somebody, all right, I'm cool with spending $2,000 per month to hire somebody. Awesome. If that breaks down to an hourly rate, then great. If it breaks down to just $2,000 for a set list of tasks, that's awesome too. Don't get too caught up in the details here. You just want to know what that number is and you can figure that out when you do like your job description. So next, you're going to want to think about the type of role you're going to hire for. 
there are two options. You can either hire somebody as a contractor or you can hire them as an employee. And truthfully, there's pros and cons to both. A contractor is somebody that works for your company, but they're typically paid an hourly or a retainer pricing, and they're not restricted to specific hours. They're project-based typically, and you cannot say like, you must be online from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. to work with me, and they get to choose when they work and what projects they work on and all that. So you have to be really mindful of what it is that you need. If you're looking to hire an employee, you have, for lack of better words, a little bit more control. So you can say, okay, your hours are Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. I need you online or I need you in my office with me. And this is what you're expected to do. Now, the downside of an employee is that it's going to cost you more money. You're going to have to pay payroll taxes and there will be other fees associated with having an employee, just depending on how you have things legally set up. But with a contractor, you just pay them, let's say $2,000 and you're done. That's it. You send them the money and they have to worry about taxes and all that kind of benefits and all that stuff. There's pros and cons to both. In our business at the Virtual Assistant Studio, we have contractors and we have employees. And I think that there is a time and place for both of those. Another thing about a contractor is it's a little bit, I hate to say this, but a little bit less risky. You can hire a contractor and let them go pretty easily. You have to be a little bit more mindful of hiring and firing when you have an employee for legal purposes. And I'm going to leave it at that. So based on whichever one you decide to hire, you're going to want to make sure that you set this up from the get-go legally. And I'm just going to say it, you're going to need a way to pay them. So this is not Venmo and this is not Cash App or any other weird app because there's regulations around those now anyways. So you're going to want to use a platform that allows you to quote unquote submit payroll, whether they're a contractor or an employee. Personally, I love and use the platform called Gusto and they have the ability to do contractors and employees or one or the other. And I think that it's very affordable. It's very easy to use. I love that I can streamline the onboarding process. I can send offer letters and create templates. And the best part is they file all the paperwork and keep track of taxes for me. So for instance, if I hire an employee and let's say like I'm currently based in Georgia. So let's say I hire somebody in like Chicago, then they'll go to the state of Illinois and say, okay, the virtual assistant studio wants to hire somebody in your state here's the paperwork, here's all their info. And all I have to do is like fill out one form online and I'm done. It takes me like five minutes and they do the rest. And so it makes it really easy for me because I'm not stressing about, am I doing this right? Am I filling out this form right? Am I saving enough money for taxes? Like they disperse all of that for me and it's just really makes my life stress-free in that sense. So I would recommend a platform like Gusto or using Gusto I probably have an affiliate code for them, so I'll put it in the show notes for you guys in case you want to check it out. And if you're just doing it for contractors, I think it's like $5 a month per contractor. It is very inexpensive. So I highly recommend. Okay, now that you're all set up legally and you've decided, I know who I'm hiring. I'm going to do either a contractor or an employee. I know exactly what my budget is and I've got this all set up so I can actually pay this person. Now you're actually ready to think about the role that you want to hire for. And I typically recommend starting with a job description. 
So this can seem really intimidating. And if you need help, honestly, you know what my recommendation is? Once you do these steps, I want you to go over to ChatGPT and have them help you write a beautiful job description. But in order to first make sure that the correct job description is written, we need to do this exercise. So I want you to pull up a Google Doc or a notebook and write down everything you want and also need help with. And I want you to brain dump, just get it all onto a piece of paper. I actually did this exercise the other day and I was like, here's 20 things that have been on my to-do list for over a month. I cannot get to these things. These things stress me out. I need to offload these. I need to streamline these or I need to automate them or delegate them or I need to do something with these tasks. These are like 10 other things that I would like to be done that we aren't doing, but I know we should be doing and would be really great if I could also delegate these too. And so then what I did is I looked at that list and I said, okay, I'm noticing a theme here. And your theme might be like administrative tasks or it might be like social media driven work. You're going to know what your theme is when you look at the list. So based on the theme, that's how you create your job description. So I'm going to use myself as an example because it's just easy for the sake of time. And essentially what I needed was somebody that could streamline the content creation for the education side of our business. And so this wasn't a social media manager. It was more of a content creation expert that understood the online business world. So I feel like there's like a little kicker there. There's a content creation is not just like creating social media. It's really like a holistic approach. So based on that, I created this job description and doing this exercise gave me so much clarity around who it is that I would need and what skills that they would require. Because while yes, you could teach all of this to somebody, it is going to be helpful if they have some baseline knowledge on these things. Because if I have to teach you how to like, you know, create an email for one of our students, that's not going to be a great use of my time. So just think about that. So you're going to want to create the job description and then you're going to want to think about what skills do they have. And then I also want you to think about what are some negotiable things? Like it would be nice if they knew blank, but it's not a deal breaker. Kind of putting those on there, knowing that like if they don't have all these things, it's going to be okay. I also recommend in doing this process, once you have your job description and skills done up, you can pop over to ChatGPT pop it in there, ask them to write you a job description and a skills list based on the information that you've given them, tweak it a little bit to make it flow with your voice and boom, you're good to go. This is going to be extremely helpful, not only for you, but for the person that you end up hiring because this is going to set the expectation for the new hire so that they know how they can exceed in their performance at work. If somebody gives me a job description and says, these are all the things that you're responsible for, then I say, okay, I know I'm responsible for sending out five emails a week. Like, let me get those five emails a week sent out. Let me ask questions around that. Let me make sure I understand that. But if you just say like, hey, I need you to create content, that's not super helpful. Or like, oh, we're just going to make it up as we go. I'm just going to like assign you random things. That doesn't feel super supportive. And as the business owner, we have to own the fact that their success is our success. So the more time that you can spend up front doing this, trust me when I say the faster they will soar. I have like done experiments with this in my own business to see like, let's just see what happens if we do it this way. And let's see what happens if we do it this way. And I'm telling you from a firsthand experience that when you put the work in on the front 
and you make them feel supported and valued and heard and you set really clear expectations, not only does it make them feel like you are amazing and this is an amazing company, but they want to exceed those expectations. But if they don't exist, how can they exceed the expectations? I also recommend in this process creating a short document that has information about you and your company. Yes, they will probably look at your social media and your website and all of this, but you know this information better than anybody. If you have a client avatar, if there are specific service offerings or maybe information that like isn't easily accessible, put this all on a doc and even go as far as to put like company culture. I know this sounds silly if you're hiring your first person, like what company culture is literally just me, but like this is your business. So what feeling do you want to have? What does communication look like? What happens if they have a question? Where should they go? Should they try to figure it out themselves? Should they ask you? Should they spend a lot of time? Like, what does that narrative look like? When do you want them to ask you questions? What are work hours? What should they do if they're sick? Like, all of these things are going to set you up for success for a really healthy working relationship, especially if you're working within like your first five hires. Now that you have the job description, the skills, and you've got this document ready to go about your company, you're ready to actually go out and find this person. And this is like the really exciting part, but this is where most people get really nervous. And I think it's so funny. So don't overthink it. You've got your job description. I recommend doing some sort of an application, whether that's like a type form or a Google Doc or a ClickUp whatever form. It doesn't matter. Don't overthink it. Pick a platform, pick a form that they can submit, create the form. On the form, I would recommend some basic information, you know, name, email, contact number. I always recommend like what's their ideal pay rate or salary or whatever to make sure it's in line with your budget. What's their availability? What time zone are they in? What are their working hours? Is it a remote? Is it hybrid? Is it in person? And then obviously the basics make them submit portfolio, cover letter, resume. I personally love to have them submit a short video just saying like who they are and why they want to work with the company. I think that helps beat out a lot of people and people that aren't actually interested won't take the time to do the video and oftentimes won't even bother to apply because they saw that they have to submit a video. So that's my little two cents from a recruiter for you. And know that you'll probably get a lot of people that apply that aren't a good fit and don't make sense and aren't within the budget and that's okay like it's fine and maybe you'll get really lucky and you'll have so many amazing people apply that you can actually save their applications for later and come back to them so once you have the form ready to go I would make sure that there is an easy link that you can give out And I want you to start tapping into your existing network. So this could look like a simple Instagram story. It could be posting in Facebook groups and also just spreading the word. Tell people, hey, I'm hiring. Do you know somebody? Like, let me remind you, people don't see your post, all of your posts. It's like 1% of your audience sees your post. So don't be afraid to say it more than once. Remind people like, hey, um, applications are open. Hey, today's the last day to apply hey, we're reviewing applications. This is who we're looking for. Like, we would love to have you. Create conversation around it. It's also really exciting as an outsider looking in to see businesses that I love that are hiring. I think that's so exciting. I love seeing that content because that means that they're growing. And I'm like, yes, I'm so excited to see that they're growing and I want to support them. And I might see that even though I don't want to work for that company and be like, oh gosh, 
my friend's sister's cousin's boyfriend would be great for that. And then I pass it along. And a lot of times, word of mouth is all you need. So those are typically going to be the best places if you can send out an email to your email list. And then also you can think about posting to external websites or even creating like a LinkedIn job posting with the link to the application form. My recommendation would be to create a deadline of when applications are closed so that you can kind of cut it off for yourself and then allow yourself like a week to go through the applications, reach out to people that are yeses, and also anybody that may have emailed in that's like, I'm interested. If you decide not to go with them, please let them know like one way or another. It says more about you as a company, how you handle the hiring process than it does the interview candidate. And just remember that. There have been plenty of people that I've like passed on that come back around and I end up hiring and they end up being amazing. And it was because they had such a good experience, even though we didn't hire them, that they come back around. But imagine if I treated them like crap or didn't ignore them or ghosted them or didn't give them a clear answer like, hey, listen, we're just looking for somebody with a different skill set or this just isn't a good time or you know, you deserve the rate that you're asking for. Like, that's not within our budget. Those are okay things to say. Just be transparent. They're adult humans. They will understand. Okay, so once you've gone through the applications, I recommend weeding it down to five or less people. Anything more than that is going to be overwhelming and you're going to forget what they say. Trust me, you will. You think you won't, but you will. So now it's time to do like an actual interview. I typically like to do like a quick meet and greet. It's like 15 minutes, quick on Zoom, casual, just to get a feel for the person if I haven't done the video application. If I've done the video application, I don't normally do that. And that's a really great way to kind of weed people out. So maybe you have five, you do 15 minute intros, and then out of the five, you like two or three people the best. Okay, great. Now I want you, if you have a team, bring somebody else from the team into that second interview and make it fun. Like I want it to be a conversation. I want them to feel the vibe of the company, but I also want to remind you that they should be doing the most talking, not you. You should not be chatting Kathy over here. You ask a question and you listen. You ask a question and you listen. It's okay to engage in conversation and make them feel comfortable so that they elaborate on their questions. We just want to make sure that we're not stealing the show. So I thought it would be fun if I gave you guys some of like my favorite questions to ask. I personally love using descriptive questions. So one of my favorite ones is I ask them to paint a picture of their perfect work week. And this one sounds really basic, but oftentimes their response will tell you everything that you need to know about their personality, their habits, their work ethic, and so much more. I also like to do the one that's like describe a time when you had to deal with a difficult client or what would you do if a client didn't love a project we presented to them or how would you handle a situation where a task was given but you weren't sure what's being asked of you and that you're closing in on the deadline? Another good one is you were just assigned 20 projects, but you know you only have time for 10. What do you do? Things like that that are like testing them but make them think about like, okay, what would I actually do in this scenario? And based on their answers, you're going to have everything that you need in order to make an informed decision because you've already seen their portfolio you've already seen their writing samples you already know they have the skills now you're just really assessing like is this person who they are to their core a good fit for 
our company. And that's pretty simple. Personally, you're going to laugh, but I do a lot of my hiring based on my gut once I've gotten to this point. And I know that there's fancy personality tests and I love an Enneagram and I think human design is interesting and all of these things serve a place in business. I personally would just rather hire somebody and use those as tools after I've hired them in order to support them as a leader as opposed to using that to judge them before they've even had a chance to prove themselves. Because while those tools are often accurate, they can sometimes skew our opinion of people. It's like, I'm a Virgo. Have you ever read a horoscope for a Virgo? It literally sounds like we're the worst humans on the planet. But I 100% have all of those personality traits. But I like to think I'm like pretty easygoing and pretty easy to work with. So maybe I'm wrong. But that I feel like is a really good example of like, you know, you read your horoscope and like if you're looking for it, you can find it. It's kind of like that with people. If you see the negative personality traits because you're looking for them, you can tend to find them. So I like to let people show me who they are. All right. Now, once you've made your decision, I love to have templated emails that I can use for either offering or declining candidates so that I can ensure I'm professional and on brand. And these don't have to be super long. They don't have to be pretty. They can just be basic templates. But I do recommend going ahead and writing these up beforehand so that you're prepared, especially in case a candidate happens to email in and follow up that you have that ready, whether you've decided one way or another. And I also like to let candidates know when we're making a decision. So we're making all of our decisions by Friday, I don't know, July 15th, then great. I'm going to let them know like, you're going to hear back from us one way or another by Friday, July 15th. That way they're not like bothering you 24 hours after the interview when you're still interviewing other people, but then also you're not leaving them hanging. I feel like that's just a really good way close the door, whether it's yes or no, and move forward. And then once you've actually hired them, this is where the fun part starts. So at the Virtual Assistant Studio, we use ClickUp for our entire business. So we have automated trainings for each position on the team where they go through, based on their role, a series of trainings. This includes like videos and worksheets and like some slide decks and stuff like that. And it's all laid out for them and click out so that they can essentially onboard themselves. And then we're just there to support them with questions and things of that nature. And yes, this took a lot to set up. And no, I did not have this with my first hire. But what I did do was I essentially built this out with my first hire. So when I was training my first hire, I utilized Loom, which is free, or if you get the paid version, I think it's $10 a month. (laughs) This is like my favorite tool ever, but it's gotten much more advanced since I first started using it, and it is very cool. So essentially what it is is you can just record your screen, but you can also like see me at the same time, and it has an editor built into it in case you need to edit the video, which I don't really care if I flub because it's internal, but if you use this for external stuff, that's kind of cool, and then it has like AI extensions too. Anyways, basically what I did was as I was training my first hire, I was building out this automated training that would then be used for future hires to come. And so anytime she had a question, instead of typing it out or whatever, I would do a loom and I would download the video and put it into a quick SOP. And 
essentially we're able to build out how to hire somebody for that position or a version of that position. And we've done that ever since. So anytime we're like, okay, this is our new service offering, or this is a new platform we're using, or hey, this question came up about this, we do the same exact thing. We create a video and then we put it in the SOP section in ClickUp, and then we have it set up for recurring tasks to remind us every so often to check the SOPs, make sure they're still accurate, and then update them if necessary. We're pretty good about like updating things as we go. So like if the platform changes or like a process changes, we'll just update the SOP as we're doing it so that anybody else working on that client's profile understands. But this is a really great tip if you feel overwhelmed by the onboarding process of a new hire to know that yes, it's going to be time consuming in the beginning, but you're going to do it once and it's going to be able to serve you for years to come. So that's exciting. Okay, there you have it. That is my full process for hiring in our business. It seems like a lot. I totally get it. But once you do it once, oh my gosh, you're just going to feel like this weight lifted off your shoulders. And it is so exciting. And I also want to remind you that, well, yes, hiring is a big decision and it's an investment in your business. It's not permanent. If for some reason you make a hire and a month down the road, you're like, this is not working out. You know what the beautiful thing about being a business owner is this is your business. So you get to choose, you know what, it's not working out. And it's not working out for these 10 reasons. And we've had multiple conversations and we've spent a lot of time coaching you and you're still not getting it. Then guess what? It's okay to let that person go. I've had to let people go in the past. And does it suck? Yes. Do I hate confrontation? Yes. Did it feel like my stomach was like literally a knotted pretzel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really did. But they were all learning experiences that increased me and my ability to level up as a leader so that I could hire with even more confidence going forward to know, oh, well, you know what? I didn't see that red flag, but I'm paying attention to that next time. So if you're making your first hire, send me a DM on Instagram over at Amanda Rush Holmes and let me know. I love supporting you guys as you grow your business. I'd love to pass along any candidates and also just spread the word to our certified virtual assistants inside of full-time VA. I know they would love to help support your amazing business. All right, friends, until next time, same time, same place. Bye for now. You just finished another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. And because I know you're a mover and shaker, here's your action item. Snap a screenshot of this episode, share it over on Instagram, and tag me at Amanda Rush Holmes. Each week, I'll pick one person and send you a Starbucks gift card on me as my way of saying, hey, thanks for hanging out with me on the regular and being a part of this incredible movement. See you next week.